Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates, ready to go. Outkick 360 is back. Sixth and Peabody, our location. Yeehaw beer, old smoky moonshine. Hope everyone had a safe and happy New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Plenty to discuss from the long weekend, football-related. NFL headlines, well, where do we start? We'll get into all of it throughout the next three hours. College football playoff. The semis are complete. The All-SEC Final is here and much, much more. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton, the entire crew from OutKick here, and we say hello hello to you from Nashville, Tennessee. Gentlemen, how about all the football from the weekend? It's uh, I'm not going to say it's a rare weekend where you can sit around and just truly enjoy sports uh, from start to finish, but... You know, not having a show on, on New Year's Eve and being able to sit around and enjoy the college football playoff games, bowl games on New Year's Day, NFL on Sunday. Um, I, I feel like I have a bit of a problem with my back now from sitting down <laughs> for so long. And I also have a bit of a problem in my mind because, like Hutton said, I don't know where we should even start on this Monday because there's so much to unpack over the weekend. Well, I uh, felt terrible at the end of Saturday from Two uh, one and a half days of really laying around, but I didn't enjoy Friday at all. Uh, there's nothing enjoyable about those two games. I enjoyed some of the earlier stuff, but the two games you get amped up for were just what I feared. I think just what we feared, and I don't enjoy blowout games with teams that I don't have a stake in. I don't really enjoy them with teams I do have a stake in. It wasn't fun. Um, it, there w- it went exactly along the bad rails that I feared it would go along. I tried to bet it into existence competition. I tried to will it into existence. I tried to do everything I could. And I gave up on the second game. I was asking for TV suggestions. It was miserable. They were blowouts uh, and really not close throughout. I mean, I think the the Alabama Cincinnati score was even a little bit deceiving, even though it wasn't close. The game was, wasn't as close as the, the final score. Now, let me throw a couple of myths out there, though, about this, okay? Here's the one truth that we really knew as the, as the season got late. It's Georgia and Alabama yeah, and everyone else. Those are the two else. best teams by far. Yeah, there, there's just a big separation between those two and everyone else, and that's the problem you run into all too often when yeah, you sit on is though. there's one team or two teams that's just far better than the rest, and that is a college football at the highest level uh, problem. Myth number one, Cincinnati did not belong. That's untrue. False, false. They belong this year. It's not about what you think could happen from a matchup standpoint. It's about your resume, what you did to earn it, what happened throughout the season. Cincinnati going undefeated, winning at Notre Dame, accomplishing what they accomplished, 
I know it's a one-season thing and not a lifetime achievement award, but being a program that's been building to this under Luke Fickle, and they've been a good program for a while now, they absolutely belonged in this game. Now, you can point to the fact there are no other great teams. Everybody's getting Power five letdowns, all of that. You, you could go a number of different directions to say, okay, this is why they are in this spot this year as opposed to others. But in 2021, they absolutely belong. But no one belongs against Alabama or Georgia. Michigan found that out later in the day because they were not competitive with Georgia. I said it last week. I think a lot of media people talked themselves into believing this was more of an even matchup than it was, almost hoping against It's wishful hope. thinking. It's not. Georgia is far better than Alabama all year until that SEC championship game. Until that one game in Atlanta, they were light years better than everyone else in America, and they started to show that again in this semi. The other thing that kills me is immediately people point to the, well, if the, the Final Four is this non-competitive, why on earth would you ever expand the playoff and get more? It's not about finding a different champion. It's about finding other compelling games and keeping more teams into it. Meaningful. Meaningful games, more teams having a shot at breaking into the playoff. Maybe something wild could happen. But no, it's not going to change the fact that it's going to be Alabama and Georgia playing for a national title this year if you had 12 teams. But when you have 12 versus 5, 11 versus 6 in different matchups, you're going to have a few compelling games in there also as opposed to the two duds that we got on Friday. Well, and we spent a lot of time previewing Michigan and Georgia and Cincinnati's worth and value because I think as a football fan, I want these games to be really good. I want to be invested in these games. I want to be able to sit in front of my TV on New Year's Eve and watch a college football playoff, at least one matchup that's going to be compelling. And... It wasn't the case. Although, I think watching Cincinnati against Bama compared to what we saw against Michigan, for those that are arguing about Cincinnati's value to the playoff, look across to the other matchup with Michigan because the the we were touting and following the line of... And I was basing this off of what we saw Michigan do to Ohio State. They beat up Ohio State at the front in the trenches, and they could not do that against Georgia. And the 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 line of uh, you know previewing this matchup was this is going to be the most physical opponent that Georgia has faced to this point all season, including Bama, and that was just not the case. The, the Georgia team that played in Miami this past weekend was completely different than the one that took the field in Atlanta against Alabama. Uh, which tells you where Saban has Bama playing right now. And look, uh, Bama went into that matchup against Cincinnati. They went with that 3-3 stack defensively and ran it right at them, ran it with Robinson, and they couldn't stop it. And after the first couple of possessions, you knew it was going to be a long game. I, th- I think more more often than not, Paul, with all these matchups, and we can go back through the the history of the college football playoff, uh, it doesn't matter who you put in these games. Oh, the semifinals. The results are just yeah. like this. And sometimes you get a compelling game once every three years, yeah. right? On, on on average. And it's just it's un, it's just the unfortunate truth of where we are when you look across at the matchup of Georgia and Michigan and realize that the Bulldogs have nineteen five star players playing in the game and Michigan had three. I mean, that's all she wrote. That that's it. As long as Georgia shows up and doesn't turn the football over, it's ball game. 
and 34-11 is generous with the spread that we saw. That, well, that's the unfortunate part of where we are at the very top of college Let me football. just say that. Georgia, show up a week from tonight. Do it for America. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. And by the way, Georgia, I laughed when Nick Saban said, oh, I'm sure we're going to be underdogs in the next game, no. too. They are. Crazy enough, yeah, they, yeah. they opened a one-point favorite, and now it immediately the betting went to Georgia. Well, that's why they and opened. Georgia's a two-point favorite. Which, look, I, I think Georgia's the better team. I thought they were the better team going in the SEC championship. I'm still going to be hard-pressed to bet on Georgia in this game because of Nick Saban's domination of his son, Kirby Smart. He is daddy. Kirby's the son. And until proven otherwise, it's going to be the case with every Saban disciple. And it's amazing to watch this play out over and over again. With those two games, how those two teams played says so much about their dominance. Alabama knew they were going to control the line of scrimmage. So a team that struggled to run at times this year, they can run the ball with Brian Robinson for 204 yards in a career high. They knew they were going to destroy Cincinnati up front on defense. They sacked Desmond Ritter six times, previous season high three times against Tulane, dominated put pressure on him, dominated defensively, dominated running the ball. And then on the flip side, Georgia, going into that game, we know Georgia's strength is the run game. We know the biggest question mark, if you're going to pick one out, is Stetson Bennett if he's under pressure. Kirby Smart and Georgia decided, we're going to put the game in Stetson Bennett's hands. They ran the ball 13 times in the first three quarters. That's it. Stetson Bennett dominated Michigan in this game. It was almost like Georgia was saying, we are going to show you why we went with this former walk-on over our five-star quarterback in this game. And Stetson Bennett delivered. Point being, both of these teams can pick different ways to annihilate you. And, and that's what they did in, in both these semis. Hopefully, the fi- you know, if they give a super classic final, you know, maybe I forget about having wasted New Year's Eve watching. It's, it's potentially that. It wasn't the last time they played. <laughs> But it was the last time they played for a national title. You know, it was an overtime game the last time these two teams met in the national championship game. So hopefully we get uh, we get a remake of of that one uh, for Georgia's sake. They're hoping that it's a different outcome this go around. But look, we got the two best teams in America far and away playing each other for a national title. So it's successful from that standpoint. Another argument for another day, I think the college football playoff system has hurt college football more than it's helped when it's a four-team playoff because of the divide it's created. Um, but that's not Alabama and Georgia's fault. They're doing things better than anyone else out there, and they're proving once again why they're the two best programs in the country, the two best teams in America and, right now. And the best game of the whole weekend turns out to be the Rose Bowl. And like Hutton was saying, like why not have that not that the matchup necessarily would have been the same, but why not let the game that's like that be part of the structure of a 12-team playoff with the winner going at, at winning something, advancing to something? But I mean, I can't help but look at the Rose Bowl, which was a great game, but there was an even playing field because Ohio State is missing 24 scholarship yeah. players in some way, form, or fashion, either due to injury, due to uh, 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 – Opt grades, opt-outs, grades. Chad guaranteed us or, a blowout. Or COVID. Like Even it, so. A combination of all of that would equals the game that we saw. Like it, it, that, Where the last team with the ball was going to win. Yeah, and it was, a, it was an epic game. I'm not, I'm not hating on the matchup. I was no, glued right. to it. But the, the forces of, of all of the factors played a huge role in why that game was compelling. 
leveled it out. I, I also, I, I, first off, apologies to the Utes because I did think that Ohio State was going to them out. And it was it was a great game, but how often are we going to get a game like that of any real consequence in a playoff? And what I mean by that is. Hutton, you, you laid it out. All the opt-outs and all the guys missing for Ohio State sort of lent itself to this free-flowing, guns-a-blazing type game offensively where you want to win the Rose Bowl and guys are playing hard and they want to win that game and you're disappointed when you lose. But it doesn't change the course of your season. No. Or your it doesn't cha- you're not playing for a national title. So there's some fun to that. Right, it's kind of an icing on the cake type bowl game, and that lends itself to a great matchup. And, and a lot of we saw it here in Nashville, the Music City Bowl, that there were no real consequences, which led down. to two teams playing hard, having fun, and an epic fourth quarter in overtime. I'm That's willing we got to sacrifice Bowl, that for consequence. Yeah, and I, I mean, but if those two teams play in a four-team playoff, I think the obviously more Ohio State guys are playing. It, it's a different outcome. So we've had shootouts before. I remember Clemson, Alabama, you know, playing one of them. It's not like you can't get a great offensive back and forth game in a national championship game. Maybe we get that between Alabama and Georgia this go around. But I think part of it is coaches let their hair down a little more in a game like that. And you're going for fourth a little bit more than you would before, you know, because you don't ultimately you want to win. But it's not life and death if you lose. But we've looked at a 12-team field before and, you know. Oh, we did it this year? In the final rankings and how it would come out. And we said a lot of those games look like they would be compelling. The spreads on a lot of those games would be low. I think we would have. And we'd get some tense uh, games. I think we would have ended up with Ole Miss Baylor, if I'm not mistaken. So we still got we that. We saw that one, but we had um, an injured quarterback, which right. threw the whole thing I, off. Notre Dame would have faced, what, Oklahoma State? I'm trying to think of all the, the matchups here. Michigan State and Ohio State would have rematched. And there, there was another one that was really compelling. Nonetheless, I mean, you expand to 12, and at least your first round, you're getting some matchups where players aren't opting out. That's key. The best players are going to be in there. Uh, teams that are going to be at the top of the field for the most part, uh, give or take a handful, all season long. Potential That are battling games. for the seeds in the top of their conference so they get the first round by. Yeah, I mean... That, Potential campus games, which would be delightful. Yeah, but I, I, I just... I, I feel as though we are closer to that 12-team playoff after what we saw with the 14 playoff this year. I mean, that, there, there's too much money at stake, first and foremost. And beyond that... There's some compelling matchups that I think ESPN, and trust me, it starts with ESPN, and then the the rest of these conferences want to provide for their big-time sponsors. Because we're not the only three that are tuning out of some of these games. Matt yeah. Corral gets hurt, and that game's unwatchable. I'd like to see what the second half of the New Year's Eve second game looks like. Because if you're thinking, hey, we'll head out after that game's over or something like that, uh, I think you're heading out earlier. Well, the the Sugar Bowl created one of our biggest debate top points of, of bowl season that we're going to talk about later. Very disappointed Lane Kiffin uh, in that game because that, that game was a dud before Matt Corral went out. I, I, I don't know, know it what, was, but it was unwatchable when he, when yeah, he officially it, it went out. It was absolutely relatively early. And I it? turned my TV off the moment he was hurt and went back and watched the highlights, which there were none, because Baylor played a great defensive game and just shut it down 
Didn't have to do really anything offensively. I bet the over for halftime and for the game. I mean, I, I don't know if Lane Kiffin was more concerned with the, the jersey choice and the sideline apparel for that game. I, there didn't seem to be a lot of game planning uh, that went on for that Sugar Bowl. For what I thought was a huge moment for both those programs. When he gets that disinterested look game. on his face, you really Well, he even it. said after the game, I, I probably did a disservice to my team because I've hurt so much for Matt when he when he went out of the game, which, which was odd. Keep coaching, Chief. So, Hutton, you brought it up. The five stars on Georgia's sideline versus Michigan and the game being decided before it happened. Nick Saban versus Kirby Smart for a national championship. For those out there that want a lack of regionalism in college football and they wanted to expand across the country and get more teams that are really good, you are going to despise the Texas A&M recruiting class because another Nick Saban disciple in Jimbo Fisher has six five-star players coming in in one class. That is an all-time record. This is the best recruiting class in the history of college football that's coming into Texas A&M. Go coach So we are creating now, not we, but those three guys and those three programs are creating a three-pronged Nick Saban and Saban disciple attack that is going to rain terror upon college football. Just wait. Well, I I want to see Jimbo produce with it to to the level of the other two He beat Bama. Yeah, Yeah, he's he's going to. But – Hasn't risen to the level yet. Coming up, we get into the NFL and all of the playoff matchups that are possibly there. The seeding. We know the Titans are in the seat for the number one seed after yesterday's results across the National Football League. A lot to unpack with what happened in Cincinnati uh, as the Chiefs fall to the Bengals. And uh, across the, the NFC as well, Arizona going on the road, winning against Dallas. Headlines in Tampa with Antonio Brown. We are just kicking off the show. And we say hello to Joplin, Missouri. Fox Sports Joplin, uh, 101.3, 1560 AM. We say hello to our brand new partner across the Outkick Network. Uh, can't wait to uh, be on the ride with Joplin and everybody there at Fox Sports Joplin as we talk a ton of football over the course of today's show. We say welcome and Happy New Year across the OutKick network on OutKick 360. Bengals top the Chiefs behind the Burrow to Chase connection. And now the Titans are in control of the number one overall seed and a win away from advancing to the divisional round of the postseason. Welcome back, OutKick 360, across the OutKick network. That's the story at the top of the American Football Conference. In the NFC, the Packers. They knew they were going to be the number one overall seed based on Dallas's uh, loss uh, last night, but they controlled it uh, anyway. Um, it was going to be very hard for Dallas to catch Green Bay. Arizona, meanwhile, goes on the road to Dallas, picks up a big win. Another big win by the Raiders on the road in Indianapolis. The Rams hang on to come back and win against Baltimore. Plenty of storylines, but it starts yesterday at at Paul Brown Stadium. I nearly said Arrowhead. It's no longer going through Arrowhead on the road to the Super Bowl. It's through Nashville because the Bengals shocked everyone and came back in that game to beat Kansas City, after Kansas City opened it up, they were full throttle. Uh, Early in that game, they led by 14 twice. And Burroughs Bengals 
Pulled the comeback, and they win. Sick. Uh, I mean, the yardage and the eight touchdowns in back-to-back games, uh, 900-some yards. Burrow playing out of his mind right now. And Chase on the receiving end of, of virtually all of this, it seems like. He's got a great supporting cast, but you look at the highlights, and it's Chase, Chase, Chase. Running away from T. seven T. Higgins was seven big guys. the last few weeks, yeah. and now Chase steps up this Seven week. guys he's running away from in, in one of the videos, and no, none of them could catch him. Uh, it's a it's a phenomenal win. The Bengals clinched the division in there in great shape. They do a huge favor to the Titans, who took care of business pounding Miami, but vault Kansas City on the tiebreaker of having beaten them head to head. Now all that all they have to do, say that a little bit carefully, but they've lost to Houston at home. If they go to Houston and win next weekend, as they should, think of how easy their path is. Mm-hmm. I mean, they get a week off. Presumably, Derrick Henry is, uh, he could come off the list this week, but I can't imagine they'd play him. He would be 11 days. So if that divisional game is Saturday for the Titans, it's either Saturday the 22nd or Sunday the 23rd. If it's Saturday the 22nd, their first practice that week would be January 18th, Tuesday. That would be exactly 11 weeks from the surgery that we heard the big number on the recovery end would be 10 weeks. So that would be 11 weeks from recovery. He could get a full practice week there conceivably. And they, with the boost of Derrick Henry back on their roster, would host the worst, quote-unquote, worst remaining seed uh, in the AFC playoffs. They win that game. They host the AFC championship game. They are two wins away from hosting down the street here, the AFC championship game, something the franchise has never done since its inception in 1960. Now, I'm not saying they're going to do it. They're completely capable of blowing it this weekend or blowing it in that first playoff game or or having to play, whatever. But they could not have an easier path now. Cincinnati's in great shape having won that division, which is the most competitive division in football. And a lot of stuff has taken shape. We still have a few spots to fill in. But I thought, I don't know about you guys, that a lot more would be up for grabs heading into the first week 18 of the season, a lot has has taken shape. Remember in the preseason when I said I just really want to want to watch Cincinnati play? I want to be behind Cincinnati and have fun now. watching them. Uh, the cat's out of the bag now. The, they are this year's Browns. They're going to be the lovable loser going into the playoffs. People love Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. They score a lot of points. That's going to be the darling team going into the AFC playoffs. And I'm not disputing that because they are a lot of fun to watch, and I'm enjoying watching that team. Uh, We joke, and everyone jokes about, in college football, Alabama and Georgia finding ways to motivate their players through some sort of invisible slight that everyone's giving them nationally, right? That, oh, we've been disrespected, this and that. Uh, The Tennessee Titans probably actually have a legitimate chip on their shoulder based on they're the number one seed right now, and no one's really talking about them as a Super Bowl contender. Well, not just and, that. And this yeah. is and 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 let let's talk about Mike Vrabel for a second too, because keep in mind this is a team that lost to Houston and the Jets, and, and they the lost bad Steelers. They lost Derrick Henry for half the season. They've had AJ Brown out for half the season, and they're a win over Houston away from home field advantage throughout the AFC playoffs. Oh, by the way, and the the tweet from. Clay Travis saying Derrick Henry's working out at the facility on his own. We'll be back for the playoffs. Derrick Henry coming back. If A.J. Brown can stay healthy. If they can get anything out of Julio Jones, 
But yet, no one's really talking about the Titans as a contender. They have. See, I still believe it's the Chiefs. I still believe Chiefs are the team to beat, even after the loss to Cincinnati. Um, but it's amazing to see what this team has gone through from a roster standpoint. I'm talking about the Titans. Guys. An all-time record to now getting to this point, it really is a remarkable job. But at least you'd get the Chiefs here, which again is the most advantageous possible uh, situation for them. Uh, you you got to give them a, a, a lot of kudos. They've, they've withstood their bad football. They're playing a lot better now. You still want games to take a certain shape, Hut, with the, with the run game leading the way, which they did again yesterday. Deontay Foreman's got 300-yard games in the last five games. They've, they've stayed true to their formula without Derrick Henry, which is, is somewhat remarkable. But And I want us to have this conversation later in the week, and I'll do some more homework on it. Not only are they kind of, kind of disrespected and not talked about, they're talked about in the analytics community. You know what the analytics community is saying? The deep analytics community. Uh, I don't know if it's pro football focus or football outsiders really is saying they have no business being here. All the formulas say they're like 10th in the league. I mean, these guys are saying it's laughable that the Titans are number one seed to the degree that they won't look at the actual results. They're only well, looking at their formula saying what they should be instead of what they are, which is infuriating. If we're going to talk about college football, though, having that, that lopsided problem at the top with the two very best teams being so much better than everyone else, college football has two great teams that are going to play for a national title now. The AFC has no great teams. No. And the fact that the Miami Dolphins We're are playing for a playoff spot in not that anymore. game, that is not a very good NFL football team. They're the beneficiary of a lot of They're circumstances bad. around them and teams they played to get in that spot. But that was a miserable... It was a great job by the Titans. I think maybe their best game of the year of suffocating an opponent start to finish and doing exactly what they needed to do and taking care of business, and Hutton called it. But, but that's to me, that's a great encapsulation of the AFC. You know, the Titans is the number one seed. No one's buying them as a great team. And then the Dolphins, as a playoff contender, they're bad. So really that's, bad. that's the well, that's issue. what you're going to get whenever you have half your league making the postseason. That's, that's, that's the, the issue the NHL. with the AFC. That's also the NHL. But, I mean, that, that's their model, and that's what's going to happen with seven teams from much. each conference getting in. You will get a 500 team. You can't do that anymore. You're, well, are you Closer. You, you the can, equivalent of it. You get the equivalent of an 8-8 eight and eight team or a 7-9 team making the postseason now. Well, yeah, and you're going to get that every year, and I think you get that when it was when it was, you know, six teams. Also, you were getting a lot of that as well with teams sometimes with a losing record making the playoffs or right at 500. But my point is in the AFC especially, there's still a lot of people who don't see any of the top teams as great. But, but the NFC but you so right now, it's the Chargers. The, the Chargers are substantially better well, than Miami. I, I, but, I could see a seven seed knocking off a two seed in the AFC this year. Let's the Chargers the NFC, are substantially though, better than Miami. Packers, Bucks, Bucks have a ton of issues right now. But I mean, I look at those teams and say, because of Brady and what we've seen with Tampa when they get ready for the playoffs, and we've seen Green Bay all year, I think those are really good to great teams once they get in the playoffs. I don't know that I can say that about anyone in the AFC right now, other than maybe Kansas City. I don't know if I can say that about Tampa anymore. Yeah, I, I think it's the Packers and the Packers only. I think they're on a level by themselves. If you're looking at like a supremely good team, I think the Packers might be. Well, the, and I'm the, not sure anybody else. The is. Packers are set up 
for what should be Super Bowl or bust yes. based on the numbers well, and just based on history. Bowl, it's tragic for them. Yeah, I mean, because of what we have seen over the course of just the history of what they've accomplished, they, they've now won 13 games at least in the regular season for three straight years. And when you put that on a historical significance, um, Rodgers has one Super Bowl. And the former Packers will tell you, uh, other GMs around the league will tell you, that the, the fact that they only have one Super Bowl with the, the amount of dominance that they've had in their division, that's what's most striking, is that, uh, yeah, they've had, of course, the Patriots went on their runs. Green Bay was right there, but they've never advanced to the to the level that you expect them to. And and when you start and they to, didn't under Favre either. They only had one. Right, right. Um but when you consider that they're including a three year stretch, they're now finishing it next week. Thirty nine or more wins for three straight years, and they can get forty, of course, next week. That win rate has only happened nine times across the history of football. And each of the previous eight, that team has at least gone and appeared in one Super Bowl. Green Bay hasn't done that yet. And now they're on track to do it in what appears to be Aaron Rodgers' final season as quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. Uh, When you consider that they have not committed a turnover in divisional play all year, they're the only team in the NFL that hasn't turned the football over in divisional play. And Aaron Rodgers hasn't thrown an interception since November 14th. That, that, which is also remarkable. I don't know how you don't pick and look at Green Bay knowing that everything's going through Lambeau and saying, yeah, th- this team's going to, to Los Angeles to represent the NFC. I, I think not only get there, but probably win. I think if, if the Packers don't win the Super Bowl or at least get there, you say it's a utter bitter disappointment, especially after last year, right, building. Any other team, Chad, in the playoff field, you can, they can go to X level of the playoffs, and once the dust settles and you're over the initial disappointment, you could say successful season for anybody. Chiefs, you could say successful season based on the way they started, the injuries that they've had, yeah. the COVID stuff. If they went to the AFC Championship game and lost after two consecutive Super Bowls, you could say after you get over the disappointment and stuff, successful season. Any team in the field, I think, you know, if they win a Game or two, you could say successful season. Packers, not successful season unless they're in the Super Bowl or probably win it, I think. The Aaron Rodgers-Packers teams from when he started as a starter to now have a lot of 90s Braves vibes. Yes. Uh, That's that's how important this is. It is is not in any way, just like I'll argue, the Braves of the 90s are not a disappointment because they were great teams. But winning one title is a disappointment. Insufficient. If Aaron Rodgers only wins one title with the run they've been on since he's been a starter, it's very disappointing. And some of those teams... And Packers fans would tell you that. Some of those teams, maybe he wasn't surrounded by enough. He's surrounded by enough on this team. Plus, as you've mentioned, uh, they've got some people coming back. One of the pass rushers isn't there. Bakhtiari isn't there. But these people are going to reemerge. Right. So they're going to get some extra juice which is remarkable. Here is the current NFL playoff picture as we head into the final week of the NFL regular season. We always start on the left side, which is the AFC side of the screen. 
if you look this up at NFL.com. Uh, Titans right now at 11-5. and five. They lock up a bye with a win this coming week in Houston. The Chiefs, because they lost to Cincinnati yesterday, they fall to the two seed at 11-5. and five. Of course, the Titans have the head-to-head win over Kansas City with the same record. Bengals are at 10-6 and six after yesterday's win. They've locked up the AFC North. The Bills, if they win this week against the Jets, they're your champion in the AFC East. They're the four seed currently. Patriots are the first wildcard team as the fifth seed at 10-6. and six. They know they're getting in the postseason. And then here are the, 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 the line of teams as we start to make up what should be the final two seeds in the AFC. The Colts right now are at 9-7, and seven, and win they and have end. a game against Jacksonville. That's a win-and-end scenario for them. Sounds easy. 0-6 in their last six games in Jacksonville, which is absolutely impossible to crazy. comprehend. That is just crazy. The Chargers are at 9-7. and seven. They are currently your seventh seed. However, they will play the Raiders this coming week. Sunday night football, they're also 9-7 and seven after yesterday's win in Indy. Derek Carr, one of our standing ovations, spoiler alert, we'll get to him uh, next hour. Uh, they will play head-to-head. This is the marquee matchup because the Raiders can win and they could get into the final spot. They would knock out the Chargers. The Chargers win, they're in. That's the only such game this weekend, right? That's it. Where either team, it's a win and in for both teams. Pittsburgh must win on Monday Night Football tonight to stay alive. They still have a a very slim, but a chance to make the postseason. And then the rest of the AFC, they are eliminated. Uh, The Ravens included in all of that. So pause pause there before you get to the NFC. So right now, this would be uh, Chargers at Chiefs, Colts at Bengals, Patriots at Bills for a third time. Those are great matchups. Yeah, and, and those are your wild card matchups. And then in the NFC, the wild card matchups right now, Saints at Rams, the Bucks would host the Eagles, and the Cowboys would rematch with the Cardinals, a game we just saw yesterday. I've got Eagles at Rams. Did that change overnight? I'm looking at this from so. 11-15 last night. <laughs> I think uh, I've got on my score app, I've got Eagles at Rams. So I'm pretty sure the Eagles are in. The Packers, the, the Eagles are in. They're guaranteed to get in, but right now they're the seventh seed. Um, scroll down a little bit, guys, so we can see this. There they are. They're the seventh seed, but they're guaranteed in. The NFC playoff picture, Packers get the first round by. The Rams are the two seed. They'll it's remain that way with a win this week. The Bucks are the three seed at 12 and four. Cowboys and Cardinals are the four and five. 49ers and Eagles are both nine and seven. They're your six and seven seeds. The Saints are on the outside looking in. San Francisco is the sixth seed. They're in with a win over LA. They play the Rams this week. New Orleans, though, although they're not currently in the postseason, they're in with a win over Atlanta paired with a San Francisco loss. Everyone else has clinched. So Philly is in. The only thing they haven't determined is their seeding. And the fact that Philly, with one week to play, has won their way into the postseason is remarkable. And they've done it behind Jalen Hurts. He's been excellent. And their defense has not allowed more than 18 points, I believe, over the last like six weeks. They've been phenomenal. I know Stafford's been shaky, but they have won five in a row. 
The Rams are Stafford out of their Stafford has been terrible. Out of their funk. So with a terrible Stafford, they found a way to win five in a row. Not against the class of the league. Jacksonville at Arizona is a good win. Seattle at Minnesota at Baltimore. They finished with San Francisco at home. It's a pretty good run with your quarterback playing poorly. I, I'm not banking on him in the playoffs, but if he plays well, five in a row is five in a row. Well, he's they're the two seed. I he's mean, turned it over something. six times over the last two weeks. Yeah, not good. Um, he's going through a stretch that is reminiscent of some of his worst days in Detroit. Yeah, I mean, they've, it's just they've really played bad. against two teams that obviously in Minnesota and Baltimore Although, have not been all together. Paul, to your point of him playing up to standards, like he he started so bad, horrible. And then completed 14 of 14 passes in the second half for 162 yards. And oh, by the way, for all the discussion about Odell Beckham Jr., they don't win the game yesterday in Baltimore without him. Yep. He was awesome. And that trade pays off with a 20 to 19 victory, come from behind win, where they trailed like 13 7 late in the third quarter. They come back to win that game with Odell Beckham Jr. and Stafford hooking up on back-to-back plays for the go-ahead score. Yeah, was it a game, trade, the game or did winner. they get him on waivers? Now I'm failing to remember. That was, they, they picked him up on waivers. They yep. signed him, and he chose them over Green Bay. Yep. And uh, Von Miller, another in-season Von addition, Miller's was, was big in that game. Yeah, he, can, he continues to, to play well. Uh, Stafford, by the way, two or more turnovers five times this season and six turnovers of the last two games. But had three, had a pick, another pick six. He's had four pick sixes this season. And he had three more interceptions in this game, but turned it around in the second half, and they come from behind and win on the road against a Ravens team that is just in shambles. I admit uh, injuries to, and everything else. I admit to being surprised by Dallas's record because I feel like Dallas's downs this year, I thought, were, were bigger because they were dramatic. They're always on TV, right? They played really poorly a, a couple times, but they're 11 and 5. Um, same as the Titans, eleven and five gets you number one seed in the AFC, and that's why they were my upset pick uh, this week. Arizona on the road at Dallas. Dallas coming Nailed off it. that beatdown against Washington, and they're I mean, while there was an outside chance for the bye, really you're playing for seeding, and they know they're going to host a game, and everything's going to go through Lambeau. I just thought it, it it was more impactful for Arizona that they had to get back on track, and they did. Kyler Murray was dealing in that game yesterday more thoughts on week 17 from across the nfl we'll also get into antonio brown what a scene yesterday in new york uh as the bucks at the time trailing the jets jets were leading at halftime third quarter meltdown both from penalties and from antonio brown and somehow brady leads the charge back and they get the win on the road we'll discuss that and more straight ahead on outkick 360 Shout out to everyone in 2022 tuned in to Outkick 360. We say hello to Somo Sports Radio in Joplin, Missouri. Also, Sports Radio 104.7 across the Upper Cumberland, Fox Sports Knoxville, Fox Sports Shoals, and everyone across the Outkick Network. Crew's all here. Plenty to discuss. And Twitter was on fire yesterday during the noon central kickoff time. Uh, around halftime of most of the games, third quarter of some of the games, Antonio Brown and the video of him losing his mind, re- removing the uniform, the pads, Mike Evans trying to keep him from doing that to no avail, and the way he stormed off and went into the tunnel, waving to the fans, 
uh, shirtless, um, just craziness. And I, I, Paul, you were down the the way for me at the the game yesterday for Titans and Dolphins. We were watching that game, and uh, I was thinking to myself, okay, what caused this? Was he ejected from the game? That was my first thing. Did he get ejected and like lose his mind? Well, part of that's true. Uh, according to Jay Glazer, he refused to enter the game after there was some type of disagreement with Arians on the sideline. Arians put him in for a play, then took him out, and then there was some disagreement. Arians wanted to put him back in. He refused to go in, so he said, all right, you're out. And that's when he removed the pads, removed the jersey, and peaced out. Said he had a sore ankle. He didn't want to go in. And then, so they said, okay, you're out. So he got what he wanted, and then he went crazy. I hate everybody involved in this story. Now, I understand there's the potential for background stuff, mental health stuff that we don't know about. But given what we do know, the Bucs have used this guy at their convenience despite bad stuff, despite the fact that he, he, he's got domestic violence in his history. I don't know if that's alleged or proven, but... It's some at the very least, it's some very significant charges. Despite the fact that he muscled his way uh, into and out of Oakland with bizarre behavior, despite the fact that he committed what's a felony in some states by faking his vaccination card, violating what Bruce Arian said was his very stern rule on if you uh, cross me one more time, I'm done with you. And then he says, no, no, so much personally has happened between us. It's a whole different deal. If he's of use to Bruce Arians, Bruce Arians keeps going back to him. If he's of use to Tom Brady, Tom Brady is happy to, to throw to him. As soon as he's not of use to them anymore, then Arians says, he's not a buck anymore. And Tom Brady says, oh, we've got to be compassionate here and consider all of this stuff. Don't be angry be, be, be empathetic. Be empathetic. You frame it whatever way is convenient to you. This is all nonsense and garbage. You, you've got to think of just how convenient all of this has been for you. You have just used him as long and as many ways as he could help your football team. And then when he can't, you're finally done with him. None of it's been about a standard of behavior if the guy has mental issues right now, I am sympathetic to that. But the mental issues didn't seem to be a concern to you when, with the mental issues, he was able to catch touchdowns. The mental issues were nothing of a concern until he took his shirt and his pads off and walked out on you. Then the mental issues are the biggest concern. Let's make sure he gets the proper care. Let's not judge him. Let's not be critical. There are a lot of people that have mental health issues and that have something going on. There's also a lot of people that are just dumb. I don't know Antonio Brown. I don't know which camp he falls into. So, And I'm not a psychiatrist that can watch him throw his jersey and say, oh, this is a crazy person. I'm diagnosing him with this, this, and this. He may just be a really dumb person because that's the behavior of either someone who's really dumb or someone who may have a mental health issue. I think Tony Dungy said it well last night. But again, Tony Dungy's no psychiatrist. He doesn't know. But he said... I really hope the NFL stops doing this guy a disservice and signing him until he gets the help he needs. Surely he's he said because be done someone, that. even Mike Florio, was saying talent always wins out. There may be someone about to go into the playoffs that says he can help us. He helped the Bucks win a Super Bowl last year. 
he helped Tom Brady and the Bucks win it all. Maybe he could help us. And that's not the craziest thing to think of. But I did like what Tony Dungy said. It's time for the league to stop doing this guy a disservice by paying him to play football when it's clear he can't do it. Again, though, I don't know. I can easily watch a video and say, that's the behavior of a crazy person. But I don't know. I haven't set the guy on a couch and know one well, way or the other if he's crazy. just that one incident. He also, had, he also had a rap song ready to release like two hours after he left the stadium or four hours. So there, that seems to have some plotting to it. Yeah, but I mean, I, to me, uh, this guy has like a split personality. I mean, I, I don't, that's just my take from the 30,000 foot view. This guy is crazy. I, I legitimately think we've watched him lose his mind a couple of times over the last three three years with how he's just gone off the deep end. But because of his talent, his legitimate like Hall of Fame-type talent, he continues to get these opportunities. Well, then stop using him. They used well, him. That's the stop definition of the league. There are plenty of domestic abusers that are still in the National Football League, Paul, whether you like it I or not. I don't like it. We're coming on Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. 